Oh, those kookaburras were uh, getting pretty intense. Um, yeah. I was I'd wa- love to hear them. If that means it's going to rain, come on, rain. Come oh, on, kookaburra. Well, I don't know. I have a feeling that that was what... Kookaburras and rain go together. That was one of the implications of hearing the kookaburras was that rain was due to come. Well, but good that morning. may not be true. It may be just mating calls for all I know. Well, we'll Love see. Love the noise, though. Good morning to you, Marin. Good morning, Jeffrey. And good morning, listeners. Uh, welcome to this week's uh, edition of News from the Drug War Front, which is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy, and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations clients. Uh, News from the Drug War Front uh, promotes the... Uh, broad array of services that are provided by Karma, and we also uh, try to report on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users uh, from Australia and indeed around the world, and hopefully promote discussion and education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by prohibition uh, and problematic drug use, which yeah. we've had for... And what happens. Yeah. Um, so, hi, everybody. It's hot as anything out there, and it says it's only going to be 26, but I think it's 26 now. It felt and easy And Mary said, you know, 100% chance of rain. Oh, that okay. sounds like, you know... What, thunderstorm? Yeah, big thunderstorm, supposedly. But it was so hot on the way in this morning that yeah. I just think if you've got a cool place to be, sit Get down <laughs> and listen to the news for the drug war front. The first bit I want to do is I want to tell you a lot about Karma because they're doing some fabulous stuff at the moment and everybody needs to know about it. So take your time, gang. Turn the radio up a bit if you can't hear it because there's really useful things happening. Some really exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. very exciting things. Just the new thing I want to tell you. Well, hang on. Let, let me just tell you. The the uh, Juburn Women's Support Group, which is a safe space for fun and peer support group, having lunch and you doing arts and crafts, having guest speakers and certificates. It's a support group for women who've had involvement with CYPS yeah. or Canberra Youth, you know, Prohibited servitors. Anyway, they've lost their or they've lost their kids through CYP. And it's a safe space for people it's to tell their stories. It's a safe space to so. talk about it for women who've lost their children or are in the or are at risk of losing their children because the the uh, the stigma and the discrimination yes. against people women who use drugs is multiplied by about 20 even over men who use drugs yeah, yeah? and the as often soon, automatic assumption that that's right. using drugs if makes you, you bad you parent you cannot be a good parent yeah. if you are on methadone yeah, yeah? if you're on an opiate or smoke um, a bit of pot. Support, or opiate replacement therapy. Yeah. Or if you're using cannabinoids, yeah. which is very good for PTSD and oh, anxiety. Got a lot of good And uses. actually makes people, helps people to sleep. It's just atrocious yeah. that they should target women that way. So, And Jude, of course, was right into that issue and went really heavily across way it. Way back in the day. Yes. Yeah, so Monica now is running it. Um, and I want you to contact her on 62533643 yep. at that zap karma uh, or on Monica's email at what Monica you? at uh, Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A-R at karma.org.au. Oh, yeah, it's on the list, yeah. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So with the numbers of people that can participate will be limited because the best way to work is in a reasonably small group. I think that's To keep it... Um, not only to keep it uh, discreet, 
but also so that you can have the opportunity for everybody Everyone to, to talk if they need to. Indeed. Anyway. Well, this is so the second go-round. That's so right. Monica's the next um, time round. So experience. get in touch with Con- Monica and find out what dates it's on and please get involved yep. because it's really a useful and fundamentally essential program for women so they know how to navigate the system. I think it's vital. And have some support. It's a fabulous idea. Yeah, and it'd be, be wonderful if we could get another series of stories from oh, yeah. women drug users if, for future. And we did talk about um, maybe being able to put them together in some kind of booklet. And we did. That would be wonderful. available that way. So, yeah. And maybe that'll still happen. Yeah. The so. other new thing is uh, Karma's got a vein finder. A vanoscope. Beautiful <laughs> idea, but it's just fabulous. I mean, I look at my skin and it's just atrocious because I just can't find a vein. Yeah. Well, so if get older, you have trouble difficult. finding veins, ring Karma on 6253-3643 or come in and book an appointment. To check out your veins. Well, Pete's there Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And um, that's the best to go because he will take the time to have a look at your skin and find yeah. out some viable veins. And he's got some material on harm reduction and safe injecting yeah. and all, all the good stuff. Um, and that you just make – and you start making contact with karma and that's a good idea anyway. It's an so amazing piece of kit. You, um, but the, no? just this idea of a vein finder is terrific and it's a novel program. Um Probably one of the first around. Gee, I remember New are putting a um, a big poster in its uh, newer news, but I've never found it again oh, of okay. where the viable veins are or where oh, the big right. veins are in your body. But that was years ago, yeah. and I haven't seen that since. So well, this kit anyway, is a breakthrough. This is a great yeah. idea. You can find out for yourself where your veins are, and it shows you, and they'll mark them yeah, veins for you. that are functioning. Yeah. That you can use. Maybe you can take a picture of them on your phone, put it on your, yes. yeah, mark yeah. them on your body yeah. and put it on your phone and then you'll have an idea of where they are. So anyway. I was really impressed, um, yeah. Marion. Well, I tried to get there but had problems because I had a, a issue with a friend who was in court for just that kind There'll of There'll be plenty of other opportunities. And I think when mer- word of mouth um, gets around, I think a lot of people of our vintage will well, be keen. there's... More stuff going on, Jeffrey, with still with the courts and being intoxicated on things like cannabinoids and morph, uh, methadone or opiate replacement therapies and driving. Yeah, people so losing their license show, for cannabis is just... If you show evidence um, on the, a roadside drug test yep. of having cannabinoids in your system, but you have been prescribed them for things like PTSD yes. and anxiety... And they work for you. Yeah, makes no sense. Then the evidence of intoxication is not there, Jeffrey. No. But the half life of cannabinoids in the system after one dose well, it just has to of can- a, cannabis, a trace it positive. stays there for a week. It doesn't yeah? have to be a certain amount. It doesn't no. have to prove intoxication or impairment. But they never. That you can assume with alcohol, if somebody is over 0.05, yeah. Well, the evidence they may is proven. not feel. Yeah. Intoxicated, but they are intoxicated and will show, you know, their driving will be somewhat erratic. And we have legally there accepted danger. Um, yep. ranges that yep. people. But the intoxication with somebody who's managed on methadone is not necessary. They're not intoxicated. No. They are, in fact, straight. 
No, I, I see it so more an uh, extension of the war on people yeah. use drugs rather than roadside well, safety. We are the only people against whom it's okay to discriminate, yeah, pretty well. Yeah. Though us and people with psych-affected yeah. psych conditions. Yeah. So it's a real problem and I think we need to do something about that, some kind of project. The stigma is going to take a lot of work to overcome now. Uh, stigma, stigma is not something you can... Uh, you can fix legally, but the discriminatory stuff, that's that's written down in the laws. And when we are purposefully excluded from the laws, it's okay to um, discriminate against people who use drugs. Mm. That, to me, sounds just wrong. And it's a... I agree. Look, if you have a look at inputs, uh, human rights, yeah, Bill, Bill of Rights for drug users... Yes. One of the main features of that is the discrimination and the right to have your own... Uh, agency? Agency. That's exactly the word. Thank you, Jeffrey. So the, let me quickly go through what Karma yeah. does because they're the two new programs I really wanted to bring to your attention. But there's a lot of other good stuff. But there's a lot of other stuff that we do because at Karma, we believe that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect both as human beings and consumers of health and social services. Karma works with users, with their peers, to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users. It also speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing, progressing drug law reform uh, agendas. And there's been some and good we've news been very in that field. Much, yeah. Yeah. Can test and decrim. And well, the can test is just another example. Fantastic. There's a representative from Karma on that. Yes. Yeah. And there's actually a, um, a webinar which I'll mention a bit later oh, coming up great. about the can test. Um, and well, the results the of that should be out now because they've had their uh, first six months. Yeah. I think the next six. The next so, month. And they've been extended for another should, another six months. Another six months, yeah, which, which is, is great. great. Yeah. Anyway, so Karma speaks. The Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy—that's Karma, of course—is the drug user organisation for alcohol, tobacco, and other drug consumer organisations in the ACT. It's a not-for-profit incorporated association, so it stands on its own and is self-managed. We have no uh, obligations to any or other yeah. organisation, which may. Um, we have our own board. Sway our, our, our karma's direction or its capacity to undertake programs. Well, in the past, it led to a percentage of funding. We had, in the going, past, we've yeah. had problems because it's been we've been had other personalities or organisations that we've had to satisfy. Now Indeed. we select who we co-operate with yeah. in a functional manner or Indeed. in a real fashion. Yeah. So we're doing the Hepatitis Reach, Teach, Treat in cooperation with Hepatitis C Council, hmm. largely at Hepatitis C uh, in O'Connor. Lots at of the partnerships. Hep C agency, yeah. but also at the health service at Karma on Thursdays, mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah. When we have a doctor in. So... That's just one example. The Vein Finder is a new program. Yep. The Jude Byrne um, Support Group for Women with CYPS program. There's uh, the Connections, with which is Karma's uh, uh, cooperative for First Nations people. Very service. important. Absolutely essential because nobody else will deal in a practical way with 
uh, First Nations people who currently use drugs. It can be very difficult for and them to get... And it has been... Well, has... Non-judgmental help. Without opera involvement of uh, an organisation prepared to support people who are currently using drugs, yes. particularly First Nations people, there is no connection with them. There is... Because they're not prepared to come out and identify as drug users because they will be discriminated against. Well, it's another issue. And basically issue tossed out of their community. To have to try to deal with. That's the other thing. There's so Absolutely. many. Absolutely. One of many one of that many. they already have to deal with and that just, it's like the icing on the cake if you see it in in a sweet sense, which it isn't, I might add. Mm. Um, it is just as insult to injury yeah. as far as I'm concerned. The politics about the voice is potentially going to get ugly, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. Well, I think th I think if we just get organised and say, yeah, let's have the voice, just the say yes to now. the voice, yes. figure out what it's going to be afterwards, but say, yes, we want a voice That's of some right. kind. Yes. Hear from, if we don't get First Nations people in doing their own programs, it's a peer organisation. Operation, what future yeah. has been offered to them? If They've, they can't it's been even... shown time and again, Jeffrey, mm. hasn't it? You want to educate people, you get a peer. They're more likely to listen to Absolutely. a peer than they are to somebody where there's a power differential. And the whole That's, Uluru statement is actually very generous of spirit. It and is, a and it's a beautiful statement, yeah. Jeffrey. The statement from the heart. I think yeah. so too. I just. It was just beautiful yeah. to read. Yeah. And I think anybody who hasn't read it should, should read, read it. Yeah. Anyway, so we've uh, got a naloxone program, Very community important. development program, and mentoring program. Um, the Connections got a fixed education, peer education program. Do the radio show, obviously. The Reach, Teach, Treat with Hep C Peer Education and Treatment Project with Hep ACT, as we've said. The Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic, and the clinic is an in-reach partnership with Directions. It is in cooperation yes. with Directions. It's a great clinic, yeah. and that's something else we can select to work with whichever organisation um, can accommodate our perspective, our philosophy, which service. is to not have a power differential between us and our service consumers. Mm. So. We deal with our mates and our colleagues and our associates, but we don't. There's no difference except that we can have somebody, no difference in power, no difference in agency, yep. except that we have somebody who can speak on our behalf if we require it. Yep. Yep. Well said. Anyway, just the it's a unique service within the ACT. It operates on a peer-based, peer person-centred philosophy and it means we encourage and support people to speak on their own behalf and to participate directly in improving their lives. Which is crucial. Yep. yep. Do you want to get the address of Karma and the phone number again? I do, actually. That's exactly what I want to do. Always it is important at, to uh, <laughs> <laughs> get across. the... Uh, yeah, you might want to do oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, look, Karma and the Connection are co-located uh, in the Belconnen Churches Centre uh, and the uh, address is Shop 17, Level 1, 54 Benjamin Way. Yep. Karma uh, and the Connection's drop-in hours at 10am till 4pm, Monday to Friday, and contact be made by phone, 6253-3643, yep. or by emailing the Karma email, info at 
cahma.org.au and that's um, checked every day. So, that's right. Um, but probably ringing is the, the And, of course, the best I'd, I'd fail to mention that the, the naloxone uh, opioid prevention, yes, uh, overdose prevention with naloxone is on the first Tuesday of every month That's right. at the uh, early, early morning, morning centre yep. on Northbourne Avenue and you can contact Dave on Karma's number or Damo on 62533643. I wouldn't want to forget any program that Karma, because I don't want to offend anybody, but Karma's doing so much for so many mm. that... It's just something that you just ring up and find out yeah. about it. You get in contact. Only by phone. Just ring by phone. Yeah. We don't need to know your face no. if you don't want to show up personally. Find out what's and a contact number. For and you. It's, yep. It's just so that's a, a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there for you. So all you need to do is ring them to find out what's going on. Indeed. And Make a selection, yeah. Dave's been doing a lot of training uh, with other organisations and yeah, nurses and, and staff to it, which is of, great. Yeah, yeah. One of the um, one of the requests I had from uh, a friend of mine was that maybe we might be doing some training with managers from the McDonald's oh. people. Yeah, because I've heard that said a, by a few people. Yeah, this uh, a, this friend of mine thinks this is probably a great idea. And I just think everybody should have an yeah. alongside, right? It's I just agree. that just seems to me to be an obvious thing to yeah. do. It the should more be that's provided out, the better. Yeah. Either for free or at PBS prices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just so that everyone's got it because if you use it, all it does is reverse the effects of opioids. That's right. It does nothing else. It doesn't hurt. So if somebody has collapsed in front of you, if you've done the naloxone training, you'll know how to do Recognise that it's... Yeah, you can recognise whether it is uh, an overdose mm -hmm. or even if they've just stopped breathing. Yep. You know how to do chest compression. Rescue you breathing. You know how to bring Recovery position, yep. all the good stuff. It's really important program and I can't say how popular it's been. It's been... And how useful it's Massively been. Massively popular. Cannot it, say enough good stuff about and it. And a good thing is the training over the years has been cut down, you know, when it yeah, first came out, refined. it was very long yep. because of the caution of, I think, ST Health to make sure every eye That's was right. dotted and T crossed. Yeah, dotted yeah. every eye and crossed but, um, every T. Dave yeah. and Damo have got it down, very yeah. well practised. And, and they can now do a 10-minute training over the phone, yeah, so that you know what to do even if you don't. Do a face to face, yeah. And you, you can know check the website for information too. Absolutely, there's just many ways you yep. can get. It. But Karma's operations are really worth checking out. Yeah, find out what you need to know. Crucial. All right, uh, this news from the Drug War Front uh, report um, covers news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles that we feature in the program come from other sources, including mainstream media. The contents of this uh, broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we do recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. 
Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. All right, I think it's time for the first song. I don't think we've played Maggie May. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's one of his best songs. Yeah, I think we've played. You know, for all his womanising, he never left. Uh, his, he wanted to always un- wanted to have a football team. Yeah, oh, really? that was his aim. A football team. So he got married to women who and stayed with women who were prepared to have children. And he got his football team. I think he's got his football okay. team now, but never left them in the lurch. When they separated, he always kept them support. The only person who ever had a bad word to say about him in terms of women who'd had a relationship with him was the one woman who didn't have any children. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, she had a bit of a slack. But, yeah, yeah, but I overall, mean, it's you did a the bit right of thing. A, I think it was a bit more, you know, to and froing about that. It's a yeah. bit of a dilemma. Of who who do you believe? All the right. point is, this was Maggie May was the first of, of many first of his of many. own hits. The early stuff was yeah. great. Yeah, and it really hit home. All right, uh, we will play Maggie, Maggie May. Yeah.
It's good to hear Rod Stewart, Maggie May. All right, uh, just before we go to the news, uh, a very important webinar coming up um, in relation to the CanTest Health and Drug Check-In Service. The uh, go-to uh, expert, Professor Mel McLeod, uh, is uh, doing a webinar from 3 to 4 p.m. this coming Thursday, 23rd of February. It's a free event. Um, now, they've got some details. Got the address of that, Donna? Um, the webinar? I think if you just type in N-D-A-R-C, N-D-A-R-C. yeah. Um, That's it, local, actually. You could probably ring them up and get the address if you haven't got... Is N-D-A-R-C in Sydney? I, I can't... I, don't, I can't keep track of National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre. N-D-A-R-C, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was thinking of um, the uh, research organisation that the AN, at the ANU. Sorry, N-D-A-R-C, yeah. Well, it's definitely, not... Professor McLeod is a chemist with research interests that include medicinal chemistry and the de development of new chemical and analytical technologies to study drugs and drug metabolism. He led the chemistry teams at the ACT government-sanctioned pill testing trials held at Groove and the Moo in 2018 and 19, and at the CanTest Health and Drug Checking Service pilot that opened in July 2022. He also serves as scientific advisor to Pill Test in Australia on the use of analytic analytical technologies for drug checking. He was awarded a 2020 Churchill Fellowship, and they, they, you don't, they don't come easy, No. to visit leading international drug checking services to rapidly improve the analytical chemistry capabilities in Australia. So that just sounds really worthwhile. Uh, oh, absolutely. Registering for it's only yeah. an hour this Thursday, 3 to 4 p.m. So go to NDARC and um, register if you've got access to the web. It's free. And um, find out, uh, you know, the... the 
the details, the chemical details and the breakthroughs that... Um, anyway, we've got to go to the news and we, we do. we'll be back. 2XXFM 98.3, people-powered radio in Canberra since 1976. Now in our fifth decade and still going strong with your support. Visit 2XXFM.org.au to listen online and find out how to subscribe, donate, sponsor or become involved as a volunteer at your community station. Yeah, welcome back to News from the Drug War Front and I'd just like to echo uh, the sentiments expressed in that promotion and uh, I was pleased to hear that the promos that Dave and I recorded um, some time ago are on rotation and we got some feedback that said we sounded um, uh, charming, <laughs> which I guess is a, a nice compliment. But um, yeah, look, if you have the chance to support uh, 2XX as a financial member or donate some volunteer hours or any way that you can help out, um, they run on the smell of an oily rag. It's a great community asset and a lot of um, very interesting shows are made by passionate people uh, about issues that wouldn't get a run on mainstream media. So it's a, a very important community voice and our program's been on 2XX for over 15 years so we really appreciate their support. All right, uh, might go to a song and then we'll uh, go on to some more stories. Uh, this is um, The Guess Who and American Woman.
American woman. Big memories from that yeah. one, Jeffrey. I was yeah. in Indonesia when that first came, when I first heard of that song. Um, I don't know when it came out, but as I was saying, you know, around the time of Chicago, it was which wild. was, you know, a very old time, but and and around the early 70s, yeah? I would say was so. when I got it. That sounds about right. But the, uh, when did American Beauty come out? Uh, 15 years ago, I'd say, 10, 15 years ago. It's a great yeah. film. Kevin Spacey and you know So it's yeah, it's a it's a real old old song, old time song, song. Re- rejuvenated, yeah. When he's refreshed. Driving. I love some of that old stuff brought back to play and I Blues Brothers is something that's been in our lives yeah, since the nineties. My yeah. whole fa- the my boys, yeah, no, can quote you lines from them. We're on a mission from God. Yeah. It's, a it's just but it's just Fabulous that they bring a lot of the old music Brought back a lot of blues into, back. yeah, into and to because it's relevant. I love the mini the moocher at oh, the end. Oh yeah, know, absolutely. And they're all in white suits and yeah, you know, just fabulous. And, and goes into a big production number in this old hall where they're just you know he and he's just filling in until they turn up and do like one song. <laughs> it's a great film <laughs> for their concert. All right, we're going to do a story which sort of relates to uh, probably yeah. the biggest sport in Australia, the Tall AFL. Tall poppy syndrome. Tall poppy I'm syndrome. I'm thinking, yeah. Uh, a fellow called Jack Ginnivan has uh, From Collingwood a, football. Yeah, drug sanction um, imposed, and evidently they're saying it's not a sign of a larger problem with drugs at Collingwood, according to the captain, Darcy Moore, abc.net.au, February the 20th. This comes up every year or two, doesn't oh, it? Oh, you know? look. And, Every time they get an opportunity, Jeffrey, it's a it's a, the stigma that goes along with it, yeah. So get money, but don't do anything with it that you want to do. You've got to be a role yeah, model to the kids. Yeah, they'll be looking. Someone will be looking. Yeah, it's all the time. Uh, Darcy Moore is yet to lead the Magpies in an actual game of AFL, but he's already tackling his first public scandal as Collingwood captain. Forced to deny that the club has a drug problem after Jack Ginnivan was banned under the league's illicit drug policy, or IDP. The AFL found Ginnivan guilty of conduct unbecoming after footage emerged of him uh, with an illicit substance while on a pre-season camp in Torquay last month. And they banned him for the first two games of the season, plus two pre-season games. According to the AFL, Ginnivan's, quote, conduct constitutes a notifiable adverse finding under the illicit drugs policy. Ginnivan fronted the media on his way to training uh, on Monday morning. Quote, everyone knows that I'm pretty sorry and remorseful for the actions that I did and I'm ready to get to work today and earn the trust back of the group, he said. I guess that's the standard uh, yeah. mere culpa. His captain spent more time in front of the cameras and microphones saying Ginnivan had disappointed his teammates and it would take a little bit of time to earn back their trust. However, Moore, who's taken over the captaincy for the first time this year after the retirement of Scott Pendlebury, said Ginnivan's actions should not reflect poorly on the whole club. Absolutely. Quote, absolutely, I believe there's no issue with drugs at the club. He said, we have more than 90 male and female athletes at this club, the large majority of whom take their jobs really seriously and make great decisions. But we don't operate in a vacuum and people make errors of judgment and that's something that Jack's done in this instance. Jeffrey, and we don't we say all the time it happens? It happens. No, drug use happens. happens. Full stop. Yeah. Get over Why it. Why would AFL players be immune? Yeah, yeah, get a grip. 
Moore said he had spoken, the article goes on, Moore said he had spoken with Ginevan since the sanction, which also included a suspended $5,000 fine, and said he was, quote, doing okay, but disappointed in himself. The new captain spoke about the importance of the club rallying round the 20-year-old Ike Gray, who had a breakout second season in 2022. Quote, it's never easy when you've been handed a sanction from the AFL and a ban, Moore said. Ginnivan's obviously a talented player and we're going to miss him out there. Moore said the league's IDP plays an important role in minimising harm around the league, particularly in terms of using de-identified drug data, de-identified drug data, interesting word, to try and flag at-risk players and find out how prevalent drug use is around the league. I don't think they want to ask that question, Geoffrey. Well, do the media have a right to actually name and shame people? That's I don't know. They seem to think they do. They do, yeah. However, he said that was uh, at odds with a member of the public who recorded Ginnivan. Oh, dear. Quote, I think the challenging part is when things become public because when, around a welfare and harm minimisation model, not everything is going to be public. And when it does, it can create a grey area, Moore said. The IDP is currently under review, with the AFL Players Association wanting to maintain a medical model focused on the welfare, others calling for it to be scrapped entirely, and others saying... Punishment should be harsher. No. I think a medical model. I think they all need to talk about that. that Moore said he was looking forward to seeing the outcome of the review. And I reckon don't ask the questions if you don't want to hear the answers because we've had review after review around Australia in various sections of the... And the answers have not been positive, so they haven't been publicised. It's a worry. It's too lenient. It's too strict. Yeah. Yeah. Get a grip, gang. You know, drug use happens and young people are going to be tempted. Why do they have to be representative of every person in the club? Black name on everybody, you know, a shame for everybody simply because of what somebody put on their phone. And who was the a-hole who who publicised it, yeah? So much for having friends. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty poor. So much. Don't hang around with anyone you can't consider a friend. No. And how do you know how long they're going to stay friends? Well, in a social media world. When you're making a lot of money or you've got a high profile, yes. you're going to have hangers on. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to be careful when you're dealing with associates as apart from friends. I but mean, it sounds to me like don't go to parties. Yeah. These aren't performance enhancing drugs we're talking about. It's not like no, steroids with Ben Johnson like, in the Olympics yeah. or, you know, um, it's people having a social life. This is life. just having a social yeah. life and not drinking alcohol. Which is actually. Isn't that a better thing? Yeah. I would, I would think so, yeah. Anyway, I, I find the whole thing unfair Problematic. Yeah. and, dis, you know, discriminatory. And stigmatising for no reason. Pleased to know we've got an update on uh, Mr. Rodrigo Duterte, Duterte and <laughs> ex President Duterte, ex President, the so-called uh, the so far vain attempts by the International Criminal Court to bring him to some sort of justice or accountability. <laughs> At least get him up to date on the charges. Yeah, it'd be good. Um, well, evidently the International Criminal Court's uh, prosecutor Karim Khan has insists. 
insisted on a Duterte probe while the new president, Marcos, pushes back. This is by Dempsey Reeves, globalnation.inquirer.net, February the 19th, Manila. The prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, or ICC, has sought the dismissal of a request by the Philippine government for another suspension of his investigation of the charges of crimes against humanity against former Filipino President Rodrigo Duterte in his war on drugs that has killed thousands of Filipinos. Absolutely. How many thousands? We We just don't know, do we, Jeff? I'd say understated figure, yeah. They keep saying 6,000, but we know that the first six months he'd already killed 6,000, yeah? Yeah, it's way more than that. There were already 6,000 dead as a result of his policy. Yeah, that's pretty grim. President Ferdinand Marcos Jr., who succeeded Rodrigo Duterte last year, questioned the International Criminal Court's jurisdiction over the Philippines, telling reporters last Saturday that the ICC probe would be, quote, an intrusion into our internal matters and a threat to our sovereignty. No, they belong to the International Criminal Court up until Duterte found that they were going to have some action and then he withdrew withdrew. from it. That's right. All good for everybody else, but don't target me. But until they withdrew... They are They're still sub, still subject to its uh, its rules and regs. Obviously, yeah? ICC um, was given more support. Like, the USA doesn't have a bar of it. They, they refuse to let any of their citizens anywhere near the ICC. It's just, you know, uh, Americans don't uh, go anywhere near international criminal courts. Good heavens, know. no. Um, anyway, on January the 26th, the ICC's pre-trial chamber decided to authorise Prosecutor Karim Khan to resume his investigation which it had suspended in November 2021 upon the request of the Duterte administration. On February the 3rd, Solicitor General Minardo Guevara requested the ICC to again suspend the probe pending a formal appeal to stop the investigation altogether. <laughs> he also stop said he start, disagreed with and rejected the conclusions reached by the court in pursuing the probe. He reiterated the official argument that the International Criminal Court no longer has any jurisdiction over the Philippines and that the government was already conducting its own probe of the drug war killings. Well, we have confidence <laughs> yeah. in that, can't we? <laughs> Absolutely. In his February 16th response to Guevara, Khan said the government, quote, has not provided any argument substantiating its request for another suspension of his probe or had shown that the implementation of the ICC's January 26th decision would create, quote, an irreversible situation or would be difficult to correct. The article goes on, the next heading is No Progress. Khan said that the resumption of his investigations would not defeat the purpose of any government appeal to drop the probe into the killings in Duterte's war on drugs. When he requested in June 2022 to be allowed to resume his investigation, Khan said that he saw no progress in the government's own investigation of the bloody anti-drug campaign. The PTC uh, agreed with him. It acknowledged the efforts made by the Philippine government but said these, quote, do not sufficiently or at all mirror the court's investigation of the drug war killings, especially in quantity, Geoffrey. In its January 26th decision authorising the resumption of the probe, the uh, PTC said it was, quote, not satisfied that the Philippines is undertaking relevant investigations or is making a real or genuine effort to carry out such investigations and any subsequent pr- pr- uh, criminal prosecution. Pretty clear cut. That's pretty stated out loud there. 
Data from the Philippines Drug Enforcement Agency showed that 6,252 individuals were killed during the drug war from the July 2016 to May 2022. That just highlights how little they are prepared to admit. We know that, as I said before, Geoffrey, in the first six months there were 6,000 people killed. You're not going to say that for the next three and a half years of his reign no further people were killed Ludicrous. when he was giving a, a bounty on the head of each so-called drug lord, yeah. drug dealer, who was um, identified by police for for money incentivized yeah the by green, the green president light. yeah the green light <laughs> anyway extension granted the ICC appeals chamber meanwhile granted the government's request for an extension in the filing of its appeals brief against the investigation from February the 19th to March the 13th the Office of the Solicitor General explained that it was still awaiting updates from other government agencies on their investigations of the Duterte's administration's drug war. It also said that it faced, quote, challenges in gathering comprehensive data and relevant records due to the logistical and administrative constraints, end quote, in view of the recent election of a new president and the appointment of new heads of agencies. You can't tell me that they they shred documents no. from the previous administration. What weasel words to cover up. And what happened to the woman who actually started the journalist and yes. actually kicked this off? From Rapport. She should have data from that yep. that she would have collected. There's a number um, of photojournalists who tried to photograph as many corpses as they could, and there were and many. I wonder if they're all in hiding. Possibly. Or even overseas now. It was risky. Because of absolutely risky. Uh, loss of job and loss of status, loss of, uh, you know, family, loss of connection, simply from speaking against the president. That's yeah, or the drug war, not the president, but the drug war itself, and someone's got to be answerable That's for what authoritarian it. regimes do, Marion, sadly. Absolutely. Um, the appeals chamber said uh, that the government provided, quote, valid reasons in support of its application for an extension. Quote, in particular, it notes the new administration's logistical and administrative constraints, it said. Uh, goes on to say, long-held position, replying to a question from a reporter regarding the International Criminal Court's investigation of his predecessor's anti-drug campaign, President Marcos said his, his position had not changed. I have stated it often, even before I took office as president, that there are many questions about their jurisdiction. The ICC said its investigation will cover the period from November 1, 2011, when the country ratified, ratified the Rome Statute, that created the International Criminal Court and Duterte was still the mayor of Davao City up until March 16th, 2019, so eight years, yep. the day before the country's withdrawal from the ICC on Duterte's orders. When he was mayor, he was riding around on his bike. Motorbike. And, he, and he bragged about that. He that was shooting me. drug users from his motorbike no. as mayor of Davao County. So I remember you telling yeah. me that. And he was And proud. then we read about it and started telling our listeners about it from then. He's yeah? a nasty hombre. He yeah. was a... Mean piece of work. And he used the cover of the war on people that used drugs to deal with uh, political opponents. Absolutely, um, people he you know, didn't like. Or uh, most people. Somebody that got in his way or yeah. 
or threatened to, you know, make public the stuff that he was doing. Really and to ugly. cover up what a nasty personality he really was, it's really I think. Ugly. The president said he did not consider that a legitimate judgment. Uh, the Duterte and even the current administration said that after the country withdrew from the Rome Statute, the International Criminal Court ceased having jurisdiction over the Philippines. Mm. Quote, mm. so until those questions of jurisdiction and effects on the sovereignty of the Republic are sufficiently answered, I cannot cooperate with them, Mr Marcos <laughs> told reporters who travelled with him to Baguio City where he attended the Philippine Military Academy's annual alumni homecoming. Sure, <laughs> he's amongst friends there. By himself or um, with his uh, deputy pres- uh, vice president. I noticed the Americans daughter. are rejuvenating their military bases um, after withdrawing from really? Subic in Bay. Really? In the Philippines? Yes. Wow. Changed tack. Um, I think it's part of the, you know, pressure on well, China. Well, yeah, the South China Sea yeah, stuff. all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, SC support. The ICC position, however, was supported by the Supreme Court, that's the SC, said in a ruling... Uh, in 2021 that withdrawing from the treaty, quote, does not discharge a state party from the obligation it has incurred as a member. That's a point needs to be taken into consideration. The president also said that, quote, we have our police in our judiciary a good system, given that the police were um, paid per head per capita for making sure that people died. I think that's a bit of a stretch of a by saying it's a good system <laughs> quote we do not need assistance from any outside entity hmm the philippines is a sovereign nation and we're not colonies anymore of these former imperialists he said referring to the international tribunal but they joined it the court currently has 18 judges from various countries including one each from Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom and France, the only countries that could possibly qualify as <laughs> former, former quali- uh, colonisers. <laughs> well, that's one, two, three, four, five. Five out, out of 18. the 18. Yeah. <sighs> the Rome Statute has 123 signatories, 33 African states, 19 from the Asia-Pacific, 18 from Eastern Europe, 28 from Latin America and the Caribbean, and 25 from Western Europe and other states. And there, my dear, is an ongoing tale of Rodrigo Duterte. And the ICC is still trying to to get a handle on them, trying to get them to face up to what happened and probably is still going on. I'd really be interested to know from anybody in that area if they still know if that activity is still going or if it has been stopped. Interesting. Officially stopped. It was so brutal, Marion, wasn't it? It was, it just was horrifying, Jeffrey. Reading utterly horrendous. The, and reading the personal sto- the stories oh. of people, how the women and children were sent outside of the house while the police invaded the home, yep. shot the man of planted the household, a gun. planted yep. a gun and a bag of ice and identified him as a dealer and then put out their hand for the bounty. One of the worst I read, Marion, was a a school kid who worked in his dad's shop and was a straight-A student who basically that uh, happened to him with the police, you know, shot him, planted a gun, but it was actually captured on CCTV, Yeah, one of the rare ones where they didn't realise where the cameras were. Oh, really? Yeah. And it caused the real controversy, and I think they got some sort of punishment. But, you know, this poor kid who was, you know, exemplary 
With the future, yeah, Jeff, the future. It's Just dangerous enough using, uh, you know, drugs of any kind when you don't know what you're getting from the street, yeah. But without to be shot, having dead, the but, police or the president putting a bounty, a per capita incentivizer on top of your head, it's just wrong. I thought we'd do this one. Look, it's not really funny, but it's got a humorous uh, aspect to it. Um, it's uh, from au.news.yahoo, February the 19th, by Jimmy Nzbuga. Dad, who smuggled £22 million worth of heroin through carrier bag shipments, is jailed. Yeah. Arthan Mirza, age 42, was caught when he filmed himself in an advertisement for street dealers. What I, a... D- I nearly I fell off my chair when I read really? this. Really? What a brain. <laughs> what was he thinking? A dad who smuggled $22 million worth of heroin, so that's a major amount, into yeah. the UK hidden inside boxes containing plastic carry bags, has been jailed for 20 years. Arthan Mirza, 42, was caught when he filmed himself in an advertisement for street dealers after he'd shipped the Class A drugs into the country from Pakistan, a court heard. The dad of four headed up a massive drug smuggling operation which saw consignments disguised as shopping bags and sports goods. Mirza of Birmingham was convicted following a seven-week trial at Birmingham Crown Court, and on Friday he was jailed for 20 years. He was caught with, uh, when two 20-kilo packages were intercepted at Heathrow Airport by Border Force officials in February 2020. An investigation by the National Crime Agency found he was behind the importation of 30 similar consignments from March 29 onwards. Officers also probed Mirza's phone data and business records held by courier companies and found videos on his mobile of him testing the purity of his heroin. A search of his home in Washwood Heath found parts of the carrier bags which had been used as a cover load. Unbelievable. Mobile phones and SIM cards were also recovered and the numbers were linked to contact details on the consignments. In interviews, Mirza claimed an unknown person agreed to reduce his gambling debts by £1,000 if he allowed a parcel to be delivered to his house. Uh, The National Crime Authority... Is that what it is? Yes, the National Crime Agency analysts believe he imported a total of 220 kilos of heroin between March 2019 and February 2020 with a potential street value of £22 million. So that's interesting that he didn't do it all in one lump, which is what the heading implies. Yeah. And it, uh, no. So Mirza was arrested in February 2020 for conspiring to import controlled substances into the UK. During his trial, Mirza admitted his involvement in the offences and that previous parcels had included heroin. He also admitted collecting the drugs and then forwarding them on to others involved in the supply change. Judge Heidi Cubic KC described Mirza as a head of the drugs operation in the UK and said that he'd played a pivotal role in the success of the illegal activity. She described Mirza's lack of remorse and said he only provided a self-serving account into how he became involved. Mm. The NCA operations mannequin, or the National Crime Agency's operation manager, Rick McKenzie, said after the case, quote, Mirza concocted a determined and sophisticated plot to smuggle huge quantities of this dangerous Class A drug uh-uh, into the UK. Why is it dangerous, Jeffrey? Because you don't it's know the quality the of it. Yeah. And it's black market. Black market, yeah starting with the dummy deliveries in an attempt to ensure his efforts would be successful, end quote. 
You and just the, wonder what he was thinking, though, posting What were you thinking? I mean, Absolutely. Um, just asking for trouble. The interesting thing about that is what's going to happen with this £22 million worth of heroin? Where's it going to go? Good Once question. it's been made, where's it going to be marketed? Because who knows if it gets burnt or if it gets intercepted or if it just sits in a locker down in uh, evidence, in an evidence locker, yeah? Yep. Because they've certainly got to take pictures of it and identify its purity and, and the fact that it is heroin. Yes. Yeah, before the court. Yep. And I just, I think that they've got to make up their minds, yeah? Are, are we going to keep our young people alive? Yep. If so... If this guy is, of course he's a dad, yeah? It's yeah, like 42. Yeah. What would you expect? Yeah. But you've got to think seriously about what kind of market they're cre- maintaining yeah. because of the legal, legal status of these drugs. And closer to home, look at New South Wales government refusing point blank to adopt the recommendations of commissions That's that right. They or just acknowledging, yeah, that, as I say, don't ask the questions if you don't want the answer, yeah. And, and I think intruding into people's human rights to just go about their business in the streets with sniffer dogs and people, you know, oh, men just... uh, strip-searching young girls. There's a class yeah, action yeah. lawsuit. Um, I thought much of this editorial from the Western Australian, it's a typical um, uh, mainstream media editorial, Holly's story of a devastating reminder of the evils of oh, drugs. I looked at that one, Geoffrey, and I just thought, oh, just, you're kidding just me. Just a reminder of what passes for... Um, well, what passes for news and for factual reporting. Yes. Yep. Every now and then there's a story that stops you in your tracks that causes you to leave your coffee to go cold as you turn the pages. And makes you want to find some interesting adjectives to make <laughs> it more exciting. Yeah, <laughs> The on. tale of Holly Dean Johns's journey from privileged Mount Lawley schoolgirl to infamous international drug trafficker before <laughs> her eventual redemption God. and return oh. to Perth is one of these stories. I love a good redemption story. Like a good redemption story. Yeah. It's a story that starts happily enough, as Dean Johns told reporter Steve Butler in her first interview since her release after a decades-long, uh, her decades-long incarceration. Quote, we had a great childhood. We had a great life. She said, we didn't talk about drugs, didn't have anything to do with drugs. We weren't criminals. We were the normal, typical Perth suburban family. <laughs> but that serene suburban life was shattered by drugs. Da, 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 da. She was just 16 when she tried heroin for the first time, given to her by her own mother, who'd taken up with an addict. They say you try it once and you're hooked, and it's so true, Dean uh, John If you said. like it, isn't that the same with everything? It's not the same for everyone. It's not. No, not everybody once. likes it. Not everybody loves it, and no. some people who like it don't ever don't, use it again. Exactly. Everyone's different. And uh, yeah. that was the beginning of the end, and there's nothing to be proud of. It led to a full-blown addiction, which had built to a devastating crescendo when <laughs> Dean Johns was caught trying to post 10.4 kilos of heroin from Australia from Thailand. Her stories of life in a Bangkok jail are beyond belief. Maggots in the food, if there was food at all. Ooh. Crammed into a cell smaller than a two-car garage with 120 other women. Whoa. But the most harrowing part of Dean John's story comes when she recounts watching her best friend's agonising death from AIDS. If ever there was a story that illustrated the devastation to- devastating toll drugs can take on a young person's life, this is it. 
read it. Show it to your kids and ask them to read it too. And then talk about it. That's not what the story says, but that's what I'm saying. It'd be much healthier. Discuss it. Have an honest conversation. Yeah. Yep. Don't go with the adjectives. Talk about it in reality. Yep. What's actually happening? Propaganda's not going to work, I don't think. What this does is promote the need for conversation yes. in families. I think it's really important. I agree. Now 51, having lost her youth to that Bangkok prison, Dean Johns is working, living a quiet life away from drugs. She hopes her story will help others. We wish her all the best. <laughs> you haven't promoted it that way. Responsibility for the editorial comment is taken by uh, the West Australian News Editor-in-Chief, Anthony D. Segley. Well, that's a uh, part of the course. There um, you go. That's the media. way it gets presented in the media. And, and that's why people get so stigmatised because uh, of just the use of those adjectives, yeah. Jeffrey. Yes. Doesn't it exaggerate? It just reduces yeah. them to a caricature. And reduces people to um, uh, an objectified presence, yeah, not a human being. Mm. They're just a an evil a being. creation, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. creation of our fantasy, our imagination, and our personal philosophy on how we see yeah. drugs yeah. and their devastating effect. But without putting into it, it the becomes context. just a yeah. moral yeah. story of don't use drugs because they'll kill you. But strip bare of the actual structural But the reality, the yeah, the context of it has nothing to do with. So how come she was over there selling back 10.4 kilograms? That you know, there's a whole there's a stack missing. left out of there's that. There's a lot yeah? missing. Thirty years, <laughs> by the look of it. All right, pick the song to go with that. Uh, another one bites the dust by Queen. I thought that might be uh, a good little story. Um, song. <laughs>
Right, it's uh, 11.43 and you're in Studio 1, 2XX, People Powered Radio with Jeff and Marin, and this is news from the drug war front. Uh, I think I've got time to do what I thought was a very interesting story from guardian.com slash Australia. It certainly is, Jeff. Uh, it's entitled Something Broke, How an Overdose at Her Backgate Turned One Melbourne Woman into an Activist by Sophie Black, February the 17th. And so I've in Judy Ryan knew she had to do something to help her, quote, beautiful inner city community. She also knew it needed a safe injecting centre. Absolutely. Good for you, Judy. Quote, tell me to shut up if you need to, Judy Ryan offers helpfully over a bowl of pho. I don't know what pho is. On Victoria Street in inner city Melbourne. Vietnamese food. I don't draw breath. Then mid-sentence she pauses, raises an eyebrow over bright red specks. Hear that? Nothing. No sirens. Five years ago we wouldn't have been able to hear ourselves over the ambulances. In this pocket of the Melbourne suburbs of Richmond and Abbotsford, you didn't have to linger long to hear a siren's wail. Heroin overdoses were claiming more lives here than anywhere else in the state. Ryan, who lives 200 metres off Victoria Street, would invite outsiders for coffee at the Quint Cafe on the corner of Lennox Street. She would strategically seat her guests with an unencumbered view of the street. Quote, I'd sit with my back to this intersection, I'd watch as their eyes just grew as big as saucers as all the emergency services descended onto the latest overdose. Hooray for naloxone, I say. Indeed. These days, the Quint Cafe has shut up shop, and if visitors look straight down the barrel of Lennox Street, they can see the top of a bright green building poking above the trees. This is the Controversial Medically Supervised Injecting Centre, or MSIC, for which Ryan campaigned against the backdrop of three coroner's reports, a parliamentary inquiry, two elections, a private member's bill and dozens of preventable deaths. Ryan knew next to nothing about injecting centres before she'd launched the campaign, other than that they seemed to raise eyebrows. Indeed. She didn't know much about heroin either, despite the fact that two of her sisters had lost sons to heroin. Ewan died in Brisbane in 1996, aged 21. Richard in North Richmond in 2003, aged 28. Neither nephew features in her new books. You talk, we die. Short of one mention of their deaths in a way of disclosing Ryan's personal connection. The book, instead, is a forensic account of how she rallied residents to approach the heroin dilemma as a public health issue and how her campaign contributed to the change of mind among business and political leaders after decades of inaction. Ryan says the exclusion of her family's tragedy is deliberate. 
This isn't a memoir and, quote, I didn't start this campaign to avenge their deaths, end quote. Raising your kids, raising kids of her own at the time, Ryan says she, quote, wasn't on the journey with her sisters as they grappled with their son's drug addictions, but I still had experience of when they died and how unbelievably shocking it was. I knew them as little kids. I changed their nappies and they were beautiful. It's that aching story that I really want to represent without flogging it. They're not just people who are going to the injecting room. They're not junkies in a shooting gallery. They are people who are loved. Around here, it's possible for locals to step from the slipstream of everyday life on a sunny afternoon to suddenly watching someone overdose in the street. Residents have found people flickering on the edge of death while on the school run, the supermarket dash, watering the garden. For Judy Ryan, on one particular day in June, July of 2016, it was at her back gate. A young man lay slumped in the sunshine, still and quiet. Ryan had been there before, been here before so many times she'd lost count. Quote, you get this rush of adrenaline to try and keep this person alive as you listen to their shallow breathing. You ring triple O, she says, and then you sit with them and you wait. Finally, the Ambos arrive and they thank you for your time. On this occasion, the man, one of Ryan's, quote, regulars, as she calls them, was revived. Then you go inside and you collapse. Something about that afternoon was different. I just looked at this beautiful young man and thought... Somebody loves you, what would they think? And something broke. That's really powerful. It is, isn't it? With next to no knowledge of the issue, Ryan Googled and then roamed onto the website of the United Medically uh, Supervised Injecting Centre in Sydney's King's Cross. A medically supervised injecting centre is a place where people can inject drugs in a supervised health setting. It's also an opportunity to access other health services like mental health support, drug treatment, wound care and blood testing. If someone overdoses in the room, a staff member can respond immediately. I thought, oh God, that just sounds amazing. But it wasn't my job. Ryan and her husband John had moved to the inner city area in 2012 after raising three kids in rural Victoria in Wodonga. A country girl who grew up in Wangaratta as the second youngest of eight, Ryan was 55 years old and in her fourth year of remission from breast cancer. Wow. Working part-time at a school, she was on the verge of starting a new business, Women's Love Moving Relocation Service, assisting women to transition into new accommodation and new phases of their lives. Especially from breast cancer, yeah. Yeah, that's no joke. Quote, I'm actually a licensed estate agent, she whispers. I didn't include that in the book because people hate real estate. <laughs> I was a hopeless one. I never made any money. <laughs> she probably nice. told people the truth about the house. It sounds like I it. love this woman already. Me too. But for this idea, Ryan had business cards and letterhead ready to go. I was just so passionate about it. Still, she kept hovering over the United MSIC website. As a fairly new kid on the block, she didn't know that many people in her area. She figured running for council on the single issue of a safe injecting facility might be the best way to shake people out. Ryan decided to run as an independent candidate for language ward in the city of Yarra in the 2016 local government election. She signed up 15 minutes shy of the <laughs> deadline. I put my 50 bucks down and I was shocked. The returning officer said, good luck. I've been living in this area for years. You're absolutely right about this. Wow. Turns out she was on to something. 
Indeed. Ryan started with three campaign T-shirts, a thousand flyers and eight posters. She barreled through no focus groups, with no focus groups, no strategic plan, no marketing, no social media, no money. Campaign colour, red. Why? I just like the colour red. Certain she had no hope of winning, Ryan didn't bother organising scrutineers to attend the vote count, but despite her political naivety, or maybe because of it, she ended up with 4.63% of the vote, of the primary count. Perhaps more tellingly, she also nabbed 791 second preferences, which meant after voting for their trusted, rusted-on candidate, many people gave their second vote to an unknown candidate and an MSIC trial. People took notice. Ryan started to forge contacts and get a good read on how much support there was out there for a safe injecting facility. Quote, I think it was fair. I was up front, said Ryan. Here's my phone number. This is where I live and that's what I think. It's not a brain fart. It's actually something that's steeped in evidence. Let's talk. Convince me otherwise or let's find middle ground. Good That's statement. Awesome, yeah. Very sensible. I love this one. Ryan's interest made people, made her a born retail politician. She went on to stand as a candidate for the Reason Party. That's Fiona's party. Fiona Patton. Yeah. yeah. For the Reason Party in the Victorian State Electorate of Richmond in 2018. And again for Reason in the Federal Electorate of Melbourne in 2019. Her shiny red. Moving company business cards are still in their box. <laughs> she approached the challenge of igniting people's politics a bit like picking a scab. Residents had become so weary they just put up with stuff and they put up with the politicians doing nothing. Ryan wanted to make them, to remind them that they could demand more. All her runs were primarily targeted, highlighting the need for a safe injecting facility. But is there a part of her that wishes she'd won? The answer's yes. I would have really loved it. Wouldn't you like an army of such women? Absolutely. Passionate. Well, committed. yeah, energetic. Yeah. Plenty of enthusiasm, yeah. yeah. And new to politics. Yeah. Ryan often refers affectionately to the time she spent growing up and then raising children in the country. She remembers the way the community would always look out for each other. Quote, imagine what they're doing in Wang, or Wangaratta, if someone's child collapsed in the street. Mm. Her mother has a lot to answer for too, widowed at 42 and mother to eight. Mary earns the book Dedication. One ice-cold night in Wangaratta, when Ryan was five, someone knocked at the door. Her further, father had died two months earlier at the age of 43. Mary answered to a homeless man. Quote, he said, lady, I'm freezing. Do you have any clothes? And mum said, yes. She gave this man my dad's clothes and his shoes. Wow. They fit perfectly. The injecting facility and associated trial opened in June 2018. That's when the real work began, as Ryan witnessed. Quote, it's a lot easier to divide a community than it is to bring it together, end quote. Yeah. Ryan doubled down and started with offering anyone who was interested regular tours of the facility. That stuff is hard work, she admits, but it's substantive. It's evidence-based. It's real. 
Yeah, look, I'll just summarise the remaining part of this. Um, it says in the first 18 months of operation, M6 staff safely managed uh, over 2,600 uh, overdoses, many of which may have been fatal or resulted in serious injury if that happened outside of the facility. The MSEC had also seen more than a third of clients request support for other health services and almost a quarter of clients express an interest in alcohol and other drug treatment. The trial was extended until June 2023. But people still roll up to Ryan's gate to inject from time to time. After all, Ryan says, it's not compulsory to go to MSEC. There are exclusions that mean some people can't use it for all sorts of reasons. Indeed. So we still have public injecting. There are still ambulances. We still have overdoses in the street. Has the injecting room been a panacea for all ills? Well, the answer is no, and it never will be. But it is so much better. Great. And the work is never over. Isn't Work's that? never over. Ryan's phone pings constantly. She's leading another tour of MSEC this week. Time for the residents of the CBD just near the proposed site of the second injecting facility. When's that going to open? It's been touted in CBD. <gasps> I don't know, but, but I just, I, I mean, I love that story, Jeffrey. Oh, it's it's just so motivating, yeah? yeah? Good to hear of yeah. this woman. And, yeah, think of her mum two months after her, fa- her husband had died. She's giving a homeless man clothes that because they fit him. What Power- else was she going to do with them? Powerful, good person yeah Yeah. morally sympathetic to people less fortunate i'm just impressed so impressed a book that's out now uh called you talk we die the battle for victoria's first safe injecting facility it's out now now through through scribe yeah Yeah. 32.99 not uh not cheap but honestly it sounds like it'd be a good read Yeah? yeah look i'm hoping victoria and dan andrews will show a bit more courage to open a second MSIC and yeah. maybe decriminalise cannabis. And, you know, he seems a bit reticent. Um, yeah, I look, I don't sure. know if he's exhausted. Yeah, Could be. He's had a and tough then, go with COVID. If you think about what happened to New Zealand's Prime Minister, she just she oh, worked nothing her left. butt off from day one. Same thing with and Scotland. And she just said, I just can't do it anymore. No, it's same too thing much. Scotland's it, but isn't that a minister. real thing to do? Doesn't that make them real? I think as so. As opposed to, like, just hanging Men, on forever. Like the, yeah. Our ex-prime minister who became secretly five ministers five for minister. five other bloody departments. Oh, secretly. Absolutely outrageous. And keeping everybody in the dark about it. And here's this woman in New Zealand saying, I, I'm tired, I can't do it anymore. Let someone with energy do it's it. It's really sad how much I misogyny yep. and sexism female politicians suffer. And, and yet women are honest about it. I'm really impressed with them. They leave a legacy of incremental change, Jeffrey, yeah. and incremental uh, con- convening Integrity, of women to the centre. Yep. 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 No, couldn't agree and more. I don't know is an okay thing to say. Teach me about it. Yeah. And that's what women do. Yeah. I like the way that I'm just impressed with the way so many female politicians have operated despite, in the face of misogyny, in the dead set, ditch the bitch stuff, yeah? Oh. yeah? Remember um, Ellen Jones said her father would be uh, embarrassed? Uh, yeah, I know. She'd be tossed oh. in a hessian bag and tossed overboard. No, just, I, I uh, just want, think they have no respect for anybody. Would they say that about their mothers? That was appalling. Yeah? No. Would you say that about your mum? No, Is that how not. you treat your mother, Alan? No. Tch. If you had no respect for your mother, mate, you know, tell her to your face. Don't tell her via other people's politicians. Indeed. That's wrong. That's it 
from Marion and I for another week. I hope some of the stories were interesting. Um, yeah, I hope you were glued to it. Yeah. I loved that last one we did, that, Jeffrey. That was a beauty. Yeah, and was... we'll keep you up to date on Duterte and still see if we can keep him nailed to the wall somewhere or another. Yeah, there's... and keep you in touch with topics we want you to discuss. Listen, if de- nothing else, decriminalisation happening in uh, British Columbia stuff. and yeah. Canada. Yeah, there's a lot of stories. What's happening in Vancouver is really interesting too. Absolutely. Yeah, how that tracks. So yep. Yep, we'll talk about it more when we see it, but we'll see you next week. We we'll love you. Leave with a snippet of Golden Brown. We yep. do love you. Love Take you, care. Jeffrey. Look after each other. Bye. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown with a golden